Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a creative on a journey to better storytelling. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here. Today, we have two special guests on the show, Sean and Howland. They are friends from our Musty Collective Discord server. So we've been getting to know them and having some really great conversations about storytelling. And since these conversations were so entertaining and enthralling, maybe even, um, we thought, why don't we record one of them? So Sean and Howland joined us for a very Star Wars specific episode of the Musty Creative Podcast, and they talk about what they know best, storytelling. What did the Book of Boba Fett do or didn't do that they should have done or didn't done? (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense, but you get my point. So yeah, they're going to have a conversation with Jesus three of them were actually really fun to listen to. I got to edit this episode and yeah, there were times when I literally laughed out loud. So hope you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, let's start the show. We're here with another episode of the Musty Creative Podcast, and I have some friends with me today, Sean and Helen. Uh, we met last year at the Screencraft uh, Festival in the Animation Department, and we've been talking on the Musty Creative Discord server ever since then, going back and forth in our discussions. And I've loved our discussions on writing, and you two actually, you know, write. Your I would say that you're professional screen screenplay writers, and I love your takes on everything that we see coming out of entertainment. And today we're going to talk about Star Wars, so could you just give a couple intros for yourself so the Musty Creative audience can get to know you a little bit better? Sean, how about you go first? Hello, I'm Sean Wong Westbrook. I'm currently a screenwriting student at UCLA. I've done a bit of freelance choose-your-own-adventure book writing and a little bit of playwriting as well. Right now I'm exploring screenwriting as it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, and I want to tell stories that inspire people. Awesome. That's great. Howland, how about yourself? Hi, I'm Howland Crow. Um, I uh, am a screenwriter. Um, I've done two short films so far, um, and uh, I'm currently working on a Holocaust, Holocaust script. Uh, mostly I write uh, multicultural stories that uh, I ideally would want to be adult animation, but you know, if that never shakes out because they still think animation is for kids... Yeah, well, animation definitely isn't for kids. I think Arcane has showed us last year that you can bust through that door and have a mainstream adult animated show. But no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being on this episode with me. And let's get into Star Wars. What is your connection to Star Wars? How did you first get, you know, uh, I would say, introed into the galaxy far, far away? My introduction is unconventional. Uh, first with Return of the Jedi and seeing a spooky Luke man choke out a big pig man. I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, sure. I would think I was like eight when I saw that, you know? Yeah. 
Um, then it was New Hope, and it's like, okay, we're here now. This is deeply confusing. I watched these all like in a week, I think, without supervision. Did you did you make the connection instantly that the the dude who was choking out the pig dude was the main character, the whiny kid? In a new hope, did you instantly make that connection? Or did oh you yeah, I, I watched the whole movie, so <laughs> I, I managed to track that. But I was like, hmm, nice. don't know what's happening. But this is kind of then uh, eventually it was Empire. But this all kind of inspired in me a love of stories where the timeline is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. I try to the, the mystery of figuring it out. Exactly. I think definitely for me, one thing I love about Star Wars is it taught me that you can have a timeline. I never understood the idea of like, you know, a story could continue after like an initial movie. So I definitely hear you on that. Helen, how about you? How did you first get into Star Wars? Uh, Same story, basically. Uh, When I was a kid, um, I think I was like six or seven years old. My mom brought home like uh, three copies of the VHS uh, special edition Star Wars. Uh, So I was not one of the OGs that saw Han shoot first. But... um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, and uh, I started with Return of the Jedi, and then I uh, watched A New Hope, and then I watched Empire Strikes Back after that. And uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And, you know, just just so we don't have to have a debate about this, George Lucas, you know, daddy, as I like to call him, uh, was, the, was the person who set aside the canon of the timeline. So Han technically did shoot second. And there's no reason to debate about it. I know a lot of people like to, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Alan definitely disagrees with me. All right, well, let's get into the, the latest installment in the Star Wars franchise, the storytelling, this wonderful galaxy far, far away. Book, the Book of Boba Fett, season one, or we'll get into it later, but some people say the Book of Boba and Mando Fett. But uh, what was your initial reaction to this season one of this story? Uh, initial reaction, um, I mean, if we're talking, like, first episode, I was just like, okay, it's, it's, it's good, you know? Uh, yeah. so, initial reaction was, it's good. Okay, okay, for sure. Same as well for initial reaction, like, let's see where this goes. I'm just here to see what happens. Um, yeah. I, I will flash, flash forward a bit to, when, I was, when I'm talking about it with people after the season finale, I do still call it the Mandalorian <laughs> by accident <laughs> if that, and that's a uh, well you all know why yeah yeah no no slight no slight to, to the show <laughs> but those those two episodes of mandalorian were pretty awesome yeah for me i would say episode one i was sold with the the fight at the end um obviously boba fett was trying to escape that rodian who's just a jerk and now we know for sure now that rodians are either like are either super helpful or like they're super anti-helpful whatsoever we have greedo and now we have this guy i don't even know his name but that big like i don't know i think he had six arms or four arms and he was like coming out of the sand that big monster at the end of episode one had me you know out of my seat i was really excited for what we were going to get to see and i was super super stoked by the by the end of the finale i thought the ending battle was just amazing you know boba fett fighting alongside mandalorian baby grogu doing things um that was that was just awesome that was my initial reaction the more uh my first thought with seeing the big six-armed creature was like wait so luke encountered those the, the more we find <laughs> out about tattooing the weirder luke's upbringing seems well he he was he was obviously ready he was obviously ready to take on the empire 
<laughs> yeah, do you think like Luke saw the biker gang drive by on days like I wish I was them? Yeah, right. <laughs> I just I just want to be free from this farm. You know, I I will say as a fun little thing, Star Wars could do. I'm assuming they've done this at Disney, but release a movie uh, or an or a, a live action series where they turn the first three movies of Star Wars into a musical, like Gallivant, and we see like an adult Luke singing his song. That would be awesome. Like somewhere out there, like just kind of <laughs> going, just <laughs> going out there. Two so, sons and I, I, lots of skin cancer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I do have a you know a funny little personal anecdote about that, but yeah, like as a kid, I really related to Luke Hard because, uh, as you know, I grew up on a farm, yeah, and as yeah, anyone yeah. that's gr- as anyone that's grown up on a farm knows, it is boring. Yeah, it is so boring, and you're just like uh, picking up rocks and like you know lugging hay and all that stuff, and you're just like, ah, I just want to go out and fight like you know big aliens. <laughs> But like farms are where heroes are born, right? So you're in the you're a hero. You're in the best place to become a hero. Yeah, but nobody ever gave me a laser sword. It's because your parents never got burnt alive. That's oh, true. Gee. that's that's true. Thankful for that one. That's the trick, Holland. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a super good point. I'm still I still think that's a really bad scene to show kids. When you see the charred remains of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, and and it's like smoking. I mean... That's actually not a really good scene to show children. I mean, I guess, but at the same time, I was like, yes, he gets to get off the farm! Yeah! (laughs) That's true! That's true! I was kind of slightly rudy, like, oh, I guess he can go and do what he wants now. (laughs) We'll get back on Boba Fett real quick, but it will be a fun thing for the Obi-Wan show, because we're going to get to see more... uh, Lars Owen, or Owen um, Lars was it? Uncle yeah, Uncle Owen. Owen Lars. Yeah, um, Lars Owen. I think. Yeah, yeah we we'll could just be like see him, and we'll get more Uncle Owen memes. Maybe we'll see him like cooking something. Like, hmm. Give it ten years. That's true. Oh wow! Oh, actually, you're right. I think it is Owen Lars because it's the Lars homestead. Owen Lars. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. need to have a scene where he's outside. Man, it's really hot today. I'm gonna burn up. <laughs> Sean, you're cruel. You're so. Cruel. Oh my god. If, uh, if they bring back Watto in the uh, Kenobi show, he's just oh. like, Oh, how's that moisture farmer Lars doing? Oh, Watto. Bone dry. And his like, scruffly, scruffly beard. Bounty Hunter, Boba Fett, and Mercenary Fennec Shand navigate the underworld when they return to Tatooine to claim Jabba the Hutt's old turf. And now that we've seen the whole season, and again, we'll get more into this because we have some dedicated section time for this, but do you believe that is a an honest tagline for this show? No. Uh, mm. Unless the underworld of Star Wars is literally one street in Mos Espa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought we were going to get more underbelly, underbelly, but uh, yes, go ahead, Helen. 
No, I, I, yeah, I had the same reaction where I'm just like, is it really just this one town? Like, you know, it seems like he's kind of stuck in his palace for a lot of it. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. Tatooine is a whole planet. Yeah, it seems like he's going back and forth between his palace and uh, the uh, Twi'lek Club. And that's kind of it, mostly. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot yeah. could have been done with showing more Tatooine nightlife. Mm. Yeah. Go a little deeper yeah. into society. Because I do... The concept of the mod is interesting. Just a little Tatooine subculture. Going deeper into that is fine. Why people come to Tatooine or why they stay after a while. Right. Yeah, because it's very dry. It's and not a fun place to be. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to stay unless I was getting the spice, right? So... Let, let's talk a little bit about the cast and crew. Uh, we have Robert Rodriguez. He directed, I want to say, three episodes of this season. So he got he got most most time in the director's chair. If you don't know who Robert Rodriguez is, he directed Spy Kids, the wonderful 90s classic um, that then I think became the intro for Sharkboy and Lava Girl. But anyway. That was early like, 2000s. Oh, really? That was really 2000s? Yeah, yeah, Spy Kids was early 2000s, and his 90s classic was Desperado. Oh, okay. Good point. See, this is why they're here. This is why they're here, everyone. If you're listening and you're like, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. This is why they're here. No, so that's true. Because they had the 3D stuff, and that was already, you're right, that was already 2000s. Then we have Once Upon a Time in Mexico, one of my favorite films, actually. I, I actually really enjoyed that movie, and it has some classic lines in there, and just, I just thought it was a really fun a fun time. And then Sin City, he, was, he didn't, wasn't the sole director on, but he co-directed, or he did yeah. some scenes. Yeah, he co-directed. Yeah. But that's obviously a groundbreaking movie for, for, you know, back in those times. We have Bryce Dallas Howard. She also directed an episode in this, Caesar, in this season. And I thought it was a fun episode. I think she's doing more and more goodness. Maybe at some point she will be the female director that's attached to direct an, an actual full-on uh, movie of Star Wars in the future. I've got faith in her. Yeah, no, same. We have uh, John Favreau, the creator of this whole kind of, you know, take on live action Star Wars. Dave Filoni wrote and directed. And then as far as the cast, we'll talk about Tomorrow Morrison, Ming-Na Wen, and Frank Trigg, who played the Gamorrean Guard. R.I.P. the Gamorrean Guards. But as far as uh, the cast and crew, what do, you, what do y'all think about, you know, the direction and the writing for this season one of Book of Boba Fett compared to Mandalorian 1, season one and two? Uh, eh. like uh, okay if we're really if if i'm trying to be objectively fair i'm like the show was okay okay but once you say things like comparing it to the mandalorian season one and season two i'm like okay now i gotta bring that okay down a few notches it's like it's like an uh, okay i I'm, i'm super hyped about it and i thought it was amazing but howlin i i i respect your objectiveness on this no, I uh, actually, since you did bring up Robert, Robert Rodriguez and Once Upon a Time in Mexico being your mm-hmm. favorite movie. Not, that, not my favorite movie, just uh, well, one of my I mean, favorites. F- yeah. Favorite movie from him or one of your favorite Yeah, I would from say him. from him, my favorite movie from him, yes. Now that I'm thinking about the plot of Once Upon a Time in Mexico, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of similarities to Boba Fett there in that. So in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, the main character is supposed to be um, the uh, the. Ma- mariachi mm, right true 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 and who steals the show johnny depp that's a good point that's a very good yeah. point 
And uh, same thing here, I felt like, where it's like the show is Boba Fett, and yet the episodes that I loved the most were about Mando. That's a good point. That's a super good point. Now, see, now I gotta go rewatch it. Yeah. I still love, uh, like, Johnny Depp showing up, and he's just talking to Mariachi, and he's just, like, giving a little metaphor speech, and Mariachi's like, you want me to shoot the cook? And Johnny <laughs> Depp's like, no, I'll shoot the cook. I'm parked out back anyway. <laughs> Sorry, uh, go ahead, Sean. Uh, my initial take wasn't the most positive. Well, episode one was okay. Episode two, loved it. Probably my favorite of the Boba Fett-focused episodes. Um, structure got a bit odd, and the pacing felt kind of off. Um, yeah, the pacing was the worst part. <laughs> as I, I have gone through it again, and my opinions on it have softened, and I can see like plenty of things I do really like. But something but, went a bit off in the pacing of it and structuring. Like, did they really need to have it like where it was like one half of the episode is uh, you know present day, and the other half is flashback? And I'm like, you couldn't have weaved those in, made it more, you know. I feel that's not necessarily a problem. I think it's just making them both feel equally impactful and involved is the key. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like when you got to present day, what he was, his actions that he took in present day and, uh, until we got to the big fight weren't really meaningful at all. Like they were just kind of, I'm going to go down to the club, get jumped a couple times. I'm going to like recruit some, some. I bikers. found it hilarious that. Well, if it's just walking around town, he gets he meets people and says, you want a job? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've been in this economy. Yeah, I'll take that. That's true. Actually, that's why I thought that was actually a really good point. It felt like it was kind of speaking to where we're at in society where young people are graduating and they're looking for work. And mm-hmm. if they don't find work, they, they might get into nefarious activities. And yep. Boba Fett was giving them a... Giving them a hand up. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, it was a pretty classic, uh, I don't know, it was an anime, it's pretty common, of like, hey, I have no beef with you personally, so how about we just team up? I know we tried to that's kill true. you before, but it was just business. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like, for me, it's just like, okay, it's like, so the whole premise of the show is that Boba Fett wants to stop being the hitman, uh, and he wants to be the godfather. And... I'm like, I mean, that would be interesting, but the thing is, like, if you're, I don't know, like, at least in grounded gangster movies and such, if you want followers, you gotta do some dirty work to get followers, and the dirty work in a way that, like, emphasizes that you're loyal to your followers and that they respect you. Mm -hmm. This guy just shows up to these kids, and he's just like, you know, how about a job? And I'm like, yeah. This kid's got to earn that job a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think a premise where they went more Godfather would have been amazing. It definitely felt like they were trying to do that. And in, and in the tagline, that's where they're going for and the trailers and the marketing. But then they Disney-fied it. They made it really safe for families and children. And they yeah. didn't go into those you know, deeper subjects. I don't think they followed through on the crime lord aspect. Because Bo- does Boba Fett do anything a crime lord would do? Because I feel like what he functionally acts as is basically just a mayor. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like he's like, he no, no, a, no drugs. He wants to protect the people. But what? How is that any that, different from just being a government official? But you, so yeah, like since you mentioned that, you you can do that where like he's a gangster with morals because like even the Godfather did that where it's like okay, no drugs. You know, like they were like, we'll do this and this and this, but we won't do drugs. Mm, uh, true, so you true. can have something like that, but it's like the thing is like they make. Boba Fett way too much of a goody two shoes. I'm like, I kind of wanted some moral ambiguity. That's fair. That's fair. Get into the gray. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, well moving on from tomorrow. I mean, as far as the the performance from tomorrow Morrison, I was happy with it. I still think though, in the end, you could kill him off and get a younger person to play Boba Fett and just take the mantle of Boba Fett. But that's just again my thinking. I do want to highlight Ming-Na Wen. I thought as Fennec Shan, yes. she did an amazing job again. And she was the only part where I don't fear Boba Fett at the end of the series. I really fear Fennec Shan, personally. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. Because, like, I don't know, like, when when uh, when I think Boba Fett from the original trilogy, I'm like, okay, this guy is uh, determined. He's uh, good at his job. He's ruthless. You can just tell by all the chinks and scratches on his armor. It's like, this guy's been through stuff. And, uh, in this show, it's like they kind of teddy bearified Boba Fett, and Fennec Shand is the one that I'm terrified of. Yeah, the master assassin. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree on that. Uh, I do wish Boba Fett got a few more badass moments. Yep. My own personal my own personal preference if he could beat Black Chrysanthemum in that fight by himself, that would have been glorious. That's true. But you you got to you got to keep Black Chrysanthemum, man. He was so awesome to see in live action. Yeah, but it, it could be like no, he gets he gets he gets a black stand on the ground and it's like has a flamethrower in his face. You want a job? Yeah, <laughs> that's know, true. They could do like oh a gosh. like a Black Panther thing, right? And kind of he could be I forget the name of that character in Black Panther where Black Panther spared him at the beginning of the movie, but he could he could have done it that way too. That's true. You know, oh my gosh, since you bring that up, now that I'm thinking back on the uh, attempted assassination fight with him and uh Chrysant- I'm just going to call Black him Black Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yeah, I'm just going to call Black him Chewbacca. Black Chewbacca. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh yeah, um yeah, so between him and that fight where, like, I mean, I get that, you know, like, uh, Boba was incapacitated and in his tank and such, but the way they did that whole fight, it kind of gave me, uh, what do you call it, what's that, um, uh, that, uh, the hillbilly theme where they're like, <laughs> Dukes of Hazard? Yeah, 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 something like that. I don't know, like, where they're just running around and he's just tossing them around and such. And I'm like, this isn't exactly a badass fight. He's just tossing them around like ragdolls and they trick him to fall into a hole. <laughs> I, I love how Boba Fett's face is made of Beskar because he took a Wookiee-powered electric <laughs> pointed brass knuckle punch to the face like twice and he got back up. Well, it, actually, even to that point, if you go back to episode one, his first fight with... I don't again. I don't know the name, but the the girl Tuscan Raider who taught him how to fight the Tuscan way. If you go back to that fight, she beats him on the head at least twice with the end of her of her stick, her spear, and he had no blood, no dents in his in his you know in his head at all. I he came out of that that fight pretty unscathed. I guess it's just the you know the Star Wars thing like you can survive, but he had no helmet on in that fight. I was very shocked that he didn't have more damage. Yeah, but 
more on Boba Fett. Uh, I personally really enjoyed his whole relationship with animals thing. It's true. Yeah, I did like that part. Go make baby banthas. <laughs> make, yeah, the that baby is banthas. adorable. Yeah, and there's no reason the the Boba Fett we saw in, in Mando season two just massacring people can't also have a soft spot for cute animals. Like that's fine. That's true. It's quite the nice. animals were done really really well done. Yeah, I love I love yeah. seeing the banthas. Although episode two, so many banthas got a shot. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that was Hide sad. Them they're, better, they're just, guys. <laughs> no, like a it felt like it, it felt like the speeder bike gang was honestly trying to shoot them down, and when everyone would go down, they'd be like, oh, and they'd just fall over. I'm like, no, they lost another one. With how many Tuscans get off in oh. this show, it's a wonder uh, they're still around. I imagine that a uh, biker gang's favorite uh, band is Queen. Another one bites the dust. Boom. Yeah. Oh man. That's so sad. Well, okay, before we move on to our other discussion, though, I actually, your your talk about the Tuscans, I enjoyed every part of, of the Tuscans in this season, and I was a little bit disappointed that the show didn't revolve, like, the finale didn't revolve more around them, like the Tuscan tribes coming together to defend Tatooine. I thought yeah. that would have been pretty awesome against the Pikes, and I thought there was a lot of great parallels that could have been done between... Book of Boba Fett season one and Dune. At least you know, as I I thought that's what Disney was actually moving towards oh, when I, the show was starting, gosh. but they didn't go in that route. They went Mandalorian Grogu, and I was really disappointed by that. I thought they had some great potential, but I loved learning more about the Tuscan Raider culture. I do wonder if they were concerned about hey, this this is pretty Dune, isn't it? Um, but it's he who fine. The spice it's Tatooine. It's fu- yeah, the spice and everything. So it, the similarities are quite interesting. But I do think killing off the Tuscans was the biggest misstep of the show, even past making a third of it Mandalorian, because they were by far the most interesting aspect of the story. Boba Fett's Completely relationship agree. with the Tuscans, and the whole idea and storyline that the that Tatooine is their world gets dropped instantly and it's kind of an awkward trope where it's like hey my adopted family who are also like spiritual and more nature based and also have an older clan to the land which has some like basis in you know the whole of america and the crimes committed against the native peoples and it's hey guess what you see this inspiring beautiful group they die (laughs) yeah and I still hold hope that the again the the main woman who taught Boba Fett how to fight. I still hold hold hope that she's actually alive, and that will be like the major plot point in season two. Like they have to go help her or find her, or and then there's a relationship that builds up between her and Boba. But yes, I totally agree with you on that. A relationship between the Tuscan woman and Boba? Yes, no, it doesn't. Yes, it doesn't. I mean, it, <laughs> it doesn't it. have to be Boba sexual. Your queen. That. It's, it's that it's, it's like we- it's like Hulk. It's like Hulk when he finds his queen on Planet Hulk. I and then obviously she gets destroyed in a bomb. But that but the point is is that yes, give Boba Fett his warrior queen. If it's not gonna be Fennec Shan, it should be her. I mean, it's already weird enough finding out that apparently humans date Jawas in this world. That <laughs> yeah, was that's weird. That's the worst that fact was- in Boba Fett by far. <laughs> 
and, and she she made I mean I love that character whenever she shows up but she made it seem that it did get sexual at some point and I don't want to know the details of that but I also I will say this though I, I want to know what that first night would be with Boba Fett and, and his warrior queen does he unwrap the mask does he unfold it the mask like, stays on? on the mask stays on I want to see what's under the mask. Is she hideous? No, no, I want to know. Look up the no. look up her actress, and she. I think she's like the stunt double for Wonder Woman, so she is just a glorious Amazon. Well, yes, but I. I but in Star Wars lore, I want to know what Tuscans look like under the mask. Has I, there has been some talk. There has been some drawings. I know there's some fanfic out there, but I want this canonized. I want to see what's under the mask. Maybe if you maybe if Boba sees it, he'll go blind or something. I, I just want to see something. this story was the idea of spice flowing through Tatooine and Boba Fett saying no and Mos Espa saying no and, and saying no to the Pikes. This is a new idea in Star Wars, mainly in the Disney brand of Star Wars and it has been an old concept in the Legends books, but it has not been used at this level. Uh, it was, I think it was first introduced in Clone Wars and Yeah, now there was that scene it. with the guy with the death sticks. And there's the scene with the death sticks, but now it's becoming a thing where Disney seems to be wanting to talk about spice in the same way of drugs or cocaine addiction and or like crack, like the crack epidemic and have their stance of like the good guys are not just against the empire, but the good guys are against drugs and drug addiction and things like that. And so I thought personally that they dropped the ball of explaining more of those details. What what do y'all think? I have to agree with that because um, I don't know, like, for such a cool opening with the marshal showing up and the little scene yeah. there and, like, Tom him Vance. saying, like, yeah. yeah, and them just t- telling him, it's like, that's that box is worth more than your whole town. And I'm like, right. okay, so this is very expensive stuff, um, you know? And just, like, and then, and then him just kicking it over. And I'm like, that is a great episode opening and a great uh, visual opener because, and then they just, cut it really short yeah because i i mean you could in a way turn it in the other way because they're supposed to be this supposed to be a crime boss show that instead of the pikes profiting off the spice and the tattooing people not getting any of the profits why not make it so that boba fed and his group take control of the spice trade so that they can get the profits but no they went in a sharp turn of like super moral of saying nope Spice is bad, and we don't want any part of it. Wasn't there some quote that George Lucas was asked what spice is, and he responded, space heroin, and that Han Solo was a drug runner? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but I, that would be funny. Yeah, uh, he. I forget where he said that, but he, he said that at some point. Uh, I mean, that heroin. would make sense as far as Han being a smuggler. It wasn't just like he was smuggling you know, paper dolls into Coruscant or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do wish they went a little deeper into showing what Spice was doing to the community, 
Because Boba Fett yes. repeatedly states, like, these people are depending on me, which I never right. bought for a second, to be honest. <laughs> like, if he um, had died and gone away, I think they would have been... I feel like no yeah. one would have blinked. Um, but well, we, except it, for the Pikes, right? The Pikes were encroaching more on their on their life. But go ahead. Keep going. But we, yeah, we never saw the Pikes doing anything, anything really of any kind. Uh, we never saw the consequences of the spice trade. We never saw the wealth coming in from it. Uh, we never saw a reason why people would depend upon Boba Fett. Besides, he gave jobs to 20 teenagers. <laughs> True. But, like, actually, that's a really good point. I think someone would counter and say, well, they killed off the Tuscans and they blew up the club. But those are actions because Boba Fett and the Tuscans were like, we need to take out the train. If they had, if they had allowed the train to keep going through their territory then it would have been fine. It's when they said, no, you can't come through our territory, that things got bloody. And then the same thing for the club, because of their attachment to Boba Fett, then they all got blown up. But what attachment is there? That's the other thing. Is like, I mean, like, okay. He's a, he's the a daimo. He's, a, he's but, a daimo. But the club, the blowing up of the club, while it was surprising, I was kind of like going like, I mean, do I care? Whoa, I mean. I cared. I miss uh, I, I miss Green Twilight Man with the big pecs. <laughs> well, I don't. I forget the name of the of the innkeeper or whatever her name was. I that's another that was another loss for me. Like I, I thought for sure her and Boba Fett were gonna hook up. That's what I thought the whole point. But anyways, like it, just, it, w- it would have been just nice to have them in a room together just talking and like trying to get build some chemistry, whether it's relationship or friendship or a political alliance or so- something. Because like all we see is him walking into her club multiple times and her going like, oh, hi, I don't like you here, but, uh, you know, da da da. Well, no, no, she didn't mind him. She paid him tribute in the first episode, but he never got farther than like five steps into the club really so it didn't seem like there was enough of an established relationship but I, I i actually was sad because then also the we're like people are wondering if the music players in the club are all dead is too. yes uh, insert scene of darth vader waking up where is max rebo is he safe yeah. is he all right yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man Oh, but no, it's just like, so like, I feel like the, the madam of the club got more character development between her and black Chewbacca than she did with Boba Fett. That's fair. Just that, and that was a that really whole... cool scene with black Chewbacca in the traditions. I really like that. Don't be racist for a moment. Stan <laughs> thinks about it and chooses racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it it it, it, it it spoke to something that we've known. Star Wars fans have known for years that Tardosians have enslaved Wookiees, but it finally, I think that was the first time that it was really on screen saying and showing like what a Wookiee felt about Tardosians and what Tardosians felt about Wookiees. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was appreciated, and I didn't notice the first time when people are bringing tribute to Boba Fett, the Tardosian brings in a Wookiee rug. <laughs> That's true. It's like, mm, That's true. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, there's all these things that they could have touched on, but they went really, really safe. And I did, I do think like this show would have been better if it was on Hulu.com instead of Disney Plus, so you can go a little bit darker. But there's there's yeah. so much we could talk about that. Uh, let's get to our next topic about family and building community. 
And the idea that Boba Fett is building a crew, he's building a quote-unquote family, and he has a spiritual family in, in the Tusken Raiders. Let's talk about that. I'm curious about you, what you guys think, is that there were repeated shots of young Boba Fett watching his dad fly off in his ship from, on Kamino. Mm. So that was going to be a sense of like, wait, so did Boba like grow up mostly alone then, waiting for his dad to come home on a planet full of water? Because then it's very beautiful if now he finds himself on a dry, barren desert planet, but now with a large group of people who accept him and are going to stay with him. That's why they shouldn't have killed the Tuscans, but that's a very, that's very poetic. That's very poetic and he, ironic, but poetic. By going to the opposite place, he's found peace now. You said it, man. Sean. Yeah. And I, uh, I assume that's yes. what they were doing, but they didn't hammer it home hard enough to my liking, at least. Yeah. I, I do wonder if reports will come out, interviews, maybe featurettes, will they'll, they'll, they'll explain, like, well, we wanted to do this, and then we said, let's save this for season two. Or we needed to give people a preview of what's going to happen for season three of Mandalorian. And going off that same vein for community is I'm with Boba Fett mentioning once again, like these people depend on me for defending against the Pikes is that I guess he's trying to, like, he wants a community. He's had a taste of it. He wants it back and True. he's kind of rebuilding it with his little crime family, but it didn't get the same. It didn't have the same weight as, as the Tuscans because we didn't get I, to yeah. see interactions with the common populace really besides that one dude who's like, we don't respect you. Yeah, <laughs> but I I actually did like that because it, it. The guy was fun. All the, he was trying to he was trying I, to play Boba Fett. I, I, I saw I saw that that coming though. As soon as the actor showed up on the screen, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, it's the blind guy from Get Out. <laughs> oh God, Turkey Baster. Oh wait, no, wrong wrong movie. Never mind. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. <laughs> mercy, mercy. All right, but. I did, I did actually appreciate that because, again, it goes to our point of, like, we don't understand what Bubba's place is here and the people of Mos Vespa, maybe they don't understand what his place is. So it was kind of nice that refreshing that someone said in the show, like, yeah, we don't respect you. We have, like, you have no real authority here. I, I wouldn't have minded it if – so, like, the thing about that, uh, that sort of thing where it's just, like, the people don't respect you is, um, like, it's almost like he's an audience avatar going, like, okay, Boba Fett's being really disappointing to me so far. Can Boba Fett actually do something to kind of like earn my respect and such? And then what he's to do is like, you want a job? And it's like, uh... yeah. Well, it, again, also in the in the finale, they they went back to the community aspect one more time when Boba said, "Hey, we we can move away from Mos but we don't need to we didn't need to fight here," and his group of twenty somethings you know, stood up to him and said, no, like, we're going to stay. This is our people. And, you know, essentially saying if you're if you're claiming that these are your people, you have to stay here, too. I kind of wish Boba Fett had put his foot down. He's just like, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take the high ground. It it was a very curious choice of like, so we're going to have a gunfight in a populated city area for PR. Um. But also, to be fair, the citizens, I guess, kind of deserved it because there are people like still selling their food in the streets. So the fight's going on. <laughs> it's like, guys, our uh, although I mean, you see, like, uh, shoot, what's the uh, mechanic's name? 
Oof. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Um, oh, I don't know um, her name, but the, yeah. The Jawa dater. When she comes yeah. in and finds Mando, and <laughs> she's like, what's happening? Can't hear you over the explosions and death. What's happening? Is it death? Like, okay, I guess the people here just don't really, maybe it's so common people don't care. <laughs> I think I think that's it. I think in Star Wars, you you see people get blasted every day, and it's just part of life. Yeah, you know there that that kind of reminds me of uh, since we're since the show really is taking its uh, themes a lot from westerns, and uh, I'm thinking back to an HBO show called Deadwood. Uh, the first the second season opens with uh, the sheriff fighting Al Swearingen, this uh, brothel owner, and they're just brawling in the street, and it's bloody and it's violent. And then some civilized uh, people come in on a carriage from the East Coast, and they just step out of the carriage, and, like, they see these guys with their faces all bloodied up, and he's like, Welcome to frickin' Deadwood! <laughs> yeah. On a community, um, the people of Freetown coming in, uh, they're fun. Um, although it does make me wonder, is, like, once they're gone, so Boba Fett is patrolling all of Mos Espa, with a dozen people a lot of mods get killed yeah that's a good point i mean you know honestly they could they probably could have saved a budget yo go ahead oh no 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 i no i was just gonna say they do have black black chewbacca as we're gonna refer to him in the show I, he seemed he seemed to be able to take a, a lot of people at, at once he was a, he was a pretty big enforcer yeah yeah but I, I do think, even though we've been disparaging the fact that they brought in Mando, I know some people not like the idea that they brought in Freetown, that they weren't as effective as, as they could have been. I did like this idea that it almost felt like a very small mini Avengers movie of bringing in these characters from other places and connecting them in this like connected universe. What did, what did y'all think about that aspect of it? Uh, personally, I think it... I found it weird they came in to defend this city. I think there's just like some weird world building aspects of if all the spice trade is in Mos Espa, why did Cobb Vanth, who's apparently in some no name town, like miles away, the one interacting with a drug deal going down? Like, why was it there? Unless they're going to sell to Freetown, but just right in? Um, Maybe it's because, like, I don't know, they assume that it's like, oh, it's just some podunk town, no one's gonna bother us, and they're surprised that the marshal is there to, like, which, you know, I'm like, that, that part isn't really what bothered me. What more so bothered me is the fact that, like, uh, as Jesus mentioned, I'm like, so the Pikes hire a bunch of these goons and soldiers and so on and so forth, and Boba... I mean, okay, he takes out the crime lords that are in the vicinity, but I'm like, you know, there's still the other Jabba's and there's the uh, the other huts and so on and so forth. I'm like, True. and he's still only employing like a few citizens from Freetown and the biker kids. That's it. Yeah, his his army is not very stalwarty. If we hadn't had two episodes of Mando in this show, those could have been spent building up Mos Espa and the people living there who could have taken the role of the Freetown folk.
big topic that came up. Obviously, we get two episodes. One episode with, without Baby Yoda, just Mandalorian, which I thought was great because it proved that you can have a Mandalorian show without Baby Yoda in, in, the, in the episode, which I think is good moving forward. But then we get to see Baby Yoda. We get to see Luke. We get to see the CG face Luke again, and they've, in my opinion, vastly improved upon it than the last time we saw it at the end of season two. We get to see him on his planet building his temple. We see Ahsoka Tano again, but Luke makes Baby Yoda, you know, he gives him a choice. Jedi training over Mandalorian, and he obviously chose one way. I was very upset with his choice. Were you upset with his? I got so much to say. <laughs> go on, you go, you go, Hal. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, brimming. He's I, brimming. I, I just, I was just watching. I'm like, why can't he have both? Why can't he have lightsaber and Beskar armor? It is a very I, curious thing. Is like they mentioned Tar Vizsla, who was Mandalorian and Jedi. So that's gotta be the. Mm. That's like. So you're you're gonna do that again, right? That's the Baby Yoda's gonna be. That's the most obvious choice an interesting choice mm-hmm. um but it doesn't have to be all at once it could be a gradual thing so it kind of works out yeah grogu's kind does live for like 800 900 maybe a thousand years so he yeah. has a lot of time on his hands i do wonder if that that choice from luke and some people even say that it was like really bad on luke skywalker like he was being a jerk but i do think it's more along the lines of like he, he is available now to teach, right? And he's a Jedi Master, the only Jedi Master in the galaxy at this time. And he wants to train Grogu properly so he doesn't go into the dark side. But having his tie to Mando, even though maybe he's grown and said you can have ties outside of the whole prequel Jedi Order, he wants him to be focused on his training of learning and mastering the Force. Eh. I do. I believe offering the choice itself isn't a bad thing, because he Grogu was distracted. You want to get him get, but you're both you on the same page of what we're gonna do here. Right. One thing I saw online that was interesting was that it could be a classic kind of thing of choose one of these so both you and I know which one you chose, but then I'll give you the other one. That's true. Maybe, yeah, maybe Luke is not saying I won't train you anymore. I, I was kind of hoping that Baby Yoda would realize, oh, I'll train with Luke for like a couple of years and I'll go hang out with Mando afterwards. You know, I'm, I'll be here. I do everything that happened. The Mandalorian episode that's a standalone, that stands, that's probably like one of my favorite episodes of Mandalorian by far. I could watch Mando hobble through that, uh, the TSA ring, that, that ring city the all day all day long i could watch mando be stuck in the freaking tsa line for 12 hours and i'd love it <laughs> who wouldn't um Pedro pascal for life uh, I, I just love pascal. that he I, I just love that he literally said weapons are part of my religion mm-hmm. yeah i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try that at, a, at an airline one day oh that'll go wow. uh, please do please do uh, <laughs> wow um i think it was very interesting and it was all great but it's not Book of Boba Fett relevant. It is Mandalorian season three stuff, and I mean he. Th- it makes it so weird for cas. If Star Wars is trying to be for casual viewers, this 
is very anti-casual if mm-hmm. you are trying to like hey you want to follow the mandalorian story you got to watch these two and a half episodes of boba fett like what mm. that's not my mom's mm. not gonna follow that i i do wonder what was the creative thinking behind that adding those two episodes that were very jarring i know in the end they they tied in by having mandalorian and grogu help out boba fett in the, fin- in the finale but it did feel very jarring it does feel like there is a with, with how Endgame ended, it does seem like it's kind of a trend now. Everyone wants their big extended universes. Everyone comes together for a big battle going on. But oh yeah, Endgame, that was like, what, 12 years of planning and careful work and buildup? You can't just recreate that instantly. And Well, I, I don't think that, that was their Endgame. I think that was their mini first Avengers movie. That's what I think. I think they are still building to their Endgame. Yeah, everyone's got to stop building to end games. It, it, it's not gonna. <laughs> it's not gonna go well. Uh, it's gonna feel hollow. Um, but this will not go the way you think, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Yeah, right? um, it, it's just even more baffling for me because, like, so even though they've had different directors every episode, they have one writer doing most of the season with one episode where him and Dave Filoni uh, shared writing credits. You talk about him and, and John Favreau? Yeah, it was just John yeah. Favreau all, the whole way, except for one episode where him and Filoni do a, the same. Uh, yeah. And I'm just like, so it's not like a, a writer's room situation where you have kind of conflicting visions or anything. This is all mostly one guy, maybe two guys and such. And I'm just like, and I, I, I feel like I, I think that a lot of it was really Favreau, I feel like he got bored with writing certain parts and wanted to write other parts more. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, you could definitely tell the shift of energy when you got to Mando mm-hmm. uh, and his episode. And then, like, the massive shift of energy where they're bringing in Luke and he's doing all these moves and he's talking and jumping around and and Baby Yoda's jumping around and dodging bullet fire or laser fire. Like, it was... More energy than Luke had. It was, it was more. It was just more energetic. I, I don't know how else to say it, but as far as the pacing, the writing, the dialogue, the care, the careful thought, the the direction, it just felt like a, a whole different show. The whole feeling about it was different. It was so strange. Of like, Ma, this, that main street in Las Espa felt so much less real. Than the ring that then like the halo Mando is walking on, which has so much CG going on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, fi- final thoughts on the Grogu Luke Mando stuff. Um, I enjoyed it. I found it interesting and fun, but I don't see the logic behind it being in the book of Boba Fett. And yeah. and I also was very troubled by. The fact that Mando and Grogu were apart for only two episodes is that I felt like that distance should have been like a substantial part of Mando season three, where we have these two parallel stories of them trying to find their ways, but not being whole anymore without them. Yeah, no, I I actually completely agree. I I thought they're going to be gone forever or at least a really, really long time. At least half a season. Preferably yeah. most of one. 
I was I was kind of thinking like we go into the let's take Mandalore back kind of plot, which is our arc, which is where it seems like we're going, and then Mando is in trouble and kind of like Return of the King for Lord of the Rings, Grogu and Luke, maybe even a young Kylo Ren show up, and he was like, "Oh, the Jedi are here and they're here to help us." And you know, I know it's cheesy. I know it's cheesy, but that's what I was kind of hoping. No, I'm just imagining holding like little baby Kylo. It's like murder, <laughs> <laughs> and Han's. Yeah, that, that, that's why Han left, and is like, nope, mercy. And Anakin's uh, Force Ghost is just going, yes, <laughs> mercy. Okay, all right. So in in the end, um, Howlin, do you think, or do you agree with Grogu's choice of choosing Mando Mando over becoming a Jedi? Uh, I mean, okay. So the kid and me. Is like, why can't you have both? Be a Jedi and get your your Mando daddy. But uh, the uh, the writer in me is just like, I feel like it would have been a more powerful thematic choice to go with the shirt if like this were in a season three of Mandalorian where we get more episodes of Grogu with Luke and developing a relationship with Luke that where like maybe he's maybe getting. Okay, I I don't want to say emotionally attached to Luke, but building a master-student relationship more than what we got in one episode. And then when the, the decision is there, it's just like it makes it more of a you can only pick one. And I'm like, oh, but I like both of these options. And so How do I support. choose between my two daddies? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> what if like that, if they, if they still had that moment, at least make it a season cliffhanger. Of what he chooses. Mm. Yes, Ooh, totally great. Totally if there's great. anything Disney has earned with how good Mando 1 and 2 were, patience from the audience. Yeah. Which I feel like maybe yeah. they thought we were all being impatient for Boba Fett. Like, oh, they need, this, they need to see them. I'm like, no, I can wait. It'll be yeah, good. Yeah, I was fine. I was totally fine. I do like Mando and Boba Fett fighting together at the end. I thought that was cool in the season finale of Book of Boba Fett. But I honestly didn't need Grogu. I know he helped to quiet the Rancor. But I, I was, he I was kind there. of didn't serve a purpose. Yeah. yeah. We have Cad Bane's reveal. Beautiful, beautiful shot. Oh, yes. We have Luke's planet. I love all the shots. Uh, Boba with the Tuskens, the first monster kill in episode one. Not really a really great cinematography shot, but just great direction. Just overall, like, great production work to, like, make that scene, like, you know, really, really work. And then Boba's vision quest, and then the Rancor in the fight in season finale. Again, I just thought visual effects, special <laughs> effects, everyone coming together was just awesome. Yeah, it looked really good. Um, I'd say my uh, childish most favorite cinematographic moment was um, the Rancor on the tower looking like King Kong. Yeah, yeah. It was hammy. It was fun. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I did love, like, because I was like, where's Boba going? And I totally had forgotten about him. And I was just focused on Mando and everyone else, like, Freetown trying to fight these big robots. And then he's just like on this giant yeah, thing. Like, I would, I would love to do that. That was awesome. To be fair, it is kind of fun. Like in Book of Boba Fett, 
There's so little Boba Fett. It's nice when he shows up. It's a surprise. It's like a treat. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> you can have a little Boba in your show. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But, uh, of course, as we all know, the cinematography masterpiece was the dude spinning with his gun. <laughs> I tried to leave. I tried. Chef I tried to leave that out so we wouldn't sound like such haters. But yes, <laughs> I don't know why they chose that sense of choreography. Uh, if we could go back to the the slow speed race and and that shot of the girl, you know, kind of slowing down her speed bike. Oh yeah, the- I I like it. I like it as a shot. But I understand the. I understand why people have issues with it. To the spinning mod. Um, it was a nice spin. It was smooth. Well done there. And also to the guy with the robot eye, you're my favorite mod. So uh, yeah, no, same. same. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. I think you did. I think you were wonderful. <laughs> Love seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> um, other favorite favorite shots. Literally any shot with the black Tuscan queen. True. True. Yeah. True. Um, and the dance. With Boba after he's made his gaffy stick. Oh, yeah. I think it was gaffy. The gaffy, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I, I just really loved the entire sequence of him forging his gaffy. Like, just like the... Sh- yeah, sh- that was know. awesome. And I'm, I don't know, as an amateur woodworker, I was just like, ooh, that is nice. My production design uh, brother was just gushing over that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, no, it was beautiful. I think going back to the Vision Quest, just like the whole idea that there was like a tree in Tatooine and then the whole lizard going up his nose. But like, I was like, there's a tree? And then they were talking about the lore of like how this, how the planet used to be covered in oceans and then something had happened to it and then destroyed the ecology of the planet and then it turned into a massive uh, dune sea. I thought that was really awesome. Again, speaking to what we talked about earlier, I want more of that. Like... Yeah, I want more of it I too. Just, give us more Tatooine lore that goes deeper than just being a desert planet. Give us more Tuscan lore, but maybe we'll get that in season two. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I believe in Legends, Tatooine was, I don't know if an ocean planet, but at least a nice planet. And then it just got glassed from like orbital bombardment. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe something like that. I'm not sure. You know, another thing that I just... Uh, uh, actually, like, okay, so a shot that I really absolutely love. I mean, yes, of course, Cad Bane showing up, and that is a great shot, but it's more so, like, when you get closer and his hat is still down, and I'm just like, oh, oh what's under there? What's under there? What's yeah. under there? And then he lifts the hat up, and I'm just like, oh, whoa, what is this Also, guy? yeah, because, Helen, you you had not heard about Cad Bane or seen him before. I'm not, I didn't know who he yeah. was. So that must have been pretty thrilling. I When I saw him, I was like, oh, I know who this is! And I'm just like, ooh, I don't know who this is. Who, uh, like, it, it, it was just intimidating from season one, and the voice was just really oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That voice is wonderful. Give him an ASMR channel. <laughs> That'd be awesome. What is the theme of Star Wars, in your humble opinion? Why does this galaxy far, far away resonate with, with us all? Um, I feel like, uh, I mean... I get. I, I feel like you know, basic, very underdogs versus like you know, oppression uh, sort of stuff. And I mean, because I mean, it's called Star Wars. It's not Star Peace. It's not Star Diplomacy, which is probably what they should have called the prequels. But <laughs> whoa, there was a whole Clone Wars or Clone War in there. 
Yep, and a lot of blah, 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 the Republic, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we, we, we no. can have this debate at the time. Uh, well, I will defend the prequels. Time, but... I will defend their honor. <laughs> I, I will defend their honor, too. They're good when they are good. <laughs> anyway, um, so where was I? Uh, yes, uh, so like the whole thing about Star Wars as far as thematically what it means to me like is basically just like essentially just underdogs fighting oppression. Like that's kind of what it always was to me, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. How about you, Sean? That's a hard question. <clears throat> I definitely agree on a number of Alan's points of like that's what the greater like quote quote plot usually is of Star Wars. But for me personally, I'm finding like the real value and heart of Star Wars being in something like Mando and Grogu's relationship of people mm. who have just had difficult pasts finding family in each other. And it's a nice contrast in that in a Star Wars galaxy that is just getting bigger and bigger with all these projects, the thing people find most wonderful about it is a relationship between two individuals. Mm. Oh, wow. That was deep. That was deep. I, I, I don't have anything as profound. My, my main thing for the theme of Star Wars, in, in my humble opinion, is the idea that you start from like a small place, unknown, and you know, not with hard work, or whatever, but just through whatever story you go through, you can accomplish big things and you can change the fate of an entire galaxy. I think for me, it resonates the fact that we see all these issues in the world and you want to feel that if you are good, quote unquote good, and you continue to do the right thing to help people, that you can actually make the whole world, the whole galaxy, a better place for people to live in. That's what I, I take from it. And that for me, what resonates so much out of Star Wars is definitely relationships, but for me, it's a sense of freedom. Star Wars, in my opinion, captures that like Americana ideal of getting your car and go, fix it if you need, if it breaks down, getting your speeder and go, getting your ship and go, no one to tell you where to go and how to be, and you can just travel and explore and have new adventures whenever you can. And that's really the, the big, the spirit of Star Wars that I love about it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, so our last, this is really for you two. I'd love to hear your take on this question. Because you're all screenwriters, up and comers, you know, gonna see your name in lights in the future. And- uh, If movie theaters are still existing. Right, right, if we're not all stuck and trapped in the metaverse, right? <laughs> But uh, what, what, what stories would you like to tell in Star Wars? Or at least be, be told in Star Wars? Uh, any Tag and Bink fans out there? This is for you. Let's get those boys back in here. <clears throat> Tag and Bink? I believe that's their name. Um, oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Tag and Bink. I think they were too... It's a stupid little comic series that's just fun. Of like these, they, they're, they're somehow, oh, okay. These two idiots are somehow present at every single major Star Wars event. <laughs> awesome that's cool um my what i would want to tell i I've, I've been talking about this one for a long time in my own head and with family i want to see a show called troopers or imperials <clears throat> or imps mm. where let's see the civi- let's see the civilian side of things let's see what it's like being in the empire mm. 
Oh, be, actually, you know, that was something I talked to somebody about where I was like, you know, I've been watching Star Wars movies for a long time. How come we never, ever see any civilian supporters of the Empire? Like, you never see anyone with a pro-Empire sign going, woo, the Empire is great. Like, the people we saw in Mando Season 2 on the Dreadnought, or Juggernaut episode, where Mando has to take his helmet off the first time, Mm. we see those supporters there. But they're like the mega fanatics who ran off to Space Brazil. Or Argentina. <laughs> Argentina, I believe, was the Nazis' whole shtick. Um, so there's that, but then there's like stuff mentioned in Rogue One with Andor, where it sounds like he was basically Rebel Taliban for a while, doing really bad things. So, although I can get like the reason they wouldn't want to do that, because it's like, hey, let's not humanize these Imperials we kill with incredible abandon. Um, it's like supporting fascism or kind of thing yeah because it would probably it probably feel kind of man in the high castle to be honest if you want to avoid that then there's a troopers option where it's follow a bunch of soldiers and their uh partners and like their families back home as they just enlist to go and fight rebel scum yeah i think if they do it from that angle uh where they are young cadets and they see the horrors of war for the first time I think that could be a strong case. There's a, there's a little bit of it in the Bad Batch where you yeah. get to see them like phasing clones out and bringing in conscripts or volunteers. And one right. of them is like, hey, meals, a bed, and a salary. That's more than the Republic ever gave me. And so that's the easiest way to get new soldiers. And like, yeah, they're just kids. <clears throat> it's weird how fast that uh, Bad Batch had the Republic go 100% Empire, but hey. It was kind of a progression that way anyway. But still, there's more you could do with it. No, I, I agree. How about you, Helen? What stories would you like to be told in Star Wars? Honestly, I would like something 100% from the perspective of the droids. Hmm. Okay. Because, like, something... Uh, and, okay, even though I am not a fan of the Solo movie, I don't like Solo. It was a bad movie, badly written, you know, so on and so forth and such. Um... I found the perspective of a droid that basically is the exact opposite of C-3PO, where she's just like, oh yeah, I would really like equal rights. you know. And the movie treats it as a joke, but I'm just like, but when you really think about it, I'm like, you know, droids do kind of have a bum deal in this universe. And I'm like, I would very much like a character or some sort of character like that, like a story around these characters where it's just like talking about like exactly what droids go through and why they go through them. And it's just like, wait, so if droids have consciousness and so on and so forth, why can't they have equal rights? Why can't they be citizens of the Republic and so on and mm. so forth? Someone deactivate how and he's a droid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fix that problem. Oh yes. <laughs> no, those are great. No, th- those are great stories, and yeah, a perspective on the droids. I don't think they've ever done that before, and I think that would be a lot of fun. And yeah, I definitely think something where they show the imperial side would be awesome too. I I love both those stories. I hope they can green light stuff like that in the future. It definitely seems like Lucasfilm is pushing out more and more content, trying to give us more and more different perspectives. In the uh, in the Star Wars universe, so we may see that come down the line. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, geez, if we can get, like, if we can feel sad for an uh, assassin droid that turns into nanny droid in Mandalorian. That's true. That <laughs> I don't see why, yeah, I don't see why we can't have something like I that. I do miss IG. I forget which, what his number was, but I do miss IG. Because he's not IG-88, but he was something. Something IG something, but... I, I just know I loved seeing him charging in guns a blazing with uh like little baby Yoda like in a in a, a knapsack and it's just like oh the nanny is killing people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank you again, Sean and Hallam, for joining us here on the Musty Creative Podcast. And Musty listeners, hope you enjoyed that breakdown into Star Wars, into Book of Boba Fett season one. Hopefully you enjoyed and have your own takes. Please email us at themustycreative at gmail.com if you have any feedback you want to give to us uh sean and Helen, for your careers we're looking forward to everything you're doing in the future is there any projects we should look out for or any way that you would like people to contact you you'll find me on twitter and you know i honestly my gmail is my name so uh you'll be able to find uh me on twitter uh but handle will be in the bio of the podcast very cool. All right. Well, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Helen, for being on the podcast and discussing Star Wars. And hopefully we can come back to talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And we'll see. We'll see if Obi-Wan Kenobi is a featured character or if they'll do a Book of Boba Fett thing and it'll be mainly about Darth Vader. Oh, that will <laughs> hurt. All right. Well, everyone, take care. And uh, I'll see you later. See you on the back to tank. really fun conversation thank you Howlin and sean for being on the show and jesus for doing a great job interviewing them for our next episode we have another special guest my koi thong who is a freelance writer for games so should be pretty interesting if you're into video games and if you yourself want to be featured as a guest on our show, you can email us at themustycreative at gmail.com and tell us why you think you'd make a good guest. A big thanks to our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast possible. You know who you are. If you want to become a financial supporter of our show, Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash mustycreative and help us make this show the best. That's all the time we have for. Remember to leave us a very important review on Apple Podcasts and find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And now it is time to shower up. Give them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.